can get out of get out of her quickly, uh, so it don't cause her so much pain. Uh, go with me now to First Peter chapter four and verse number eleven to begin with, and we're uh, talking about our chief responsibility, our chief purpose. We've been studying through theology and what the Scripture teaches us concerning the Word of God, and as we are studying our doctrine and what we believe concerning our doctrine, we come to this particular thought or this particular teaching tonight of what is our chief purpose. What is the chief purpose of man in his creation by God? And we read here in 1 Peter chapter 4, and verse number 11, Peter writes here, 1 Peter 4, verse 11. He says, if, man, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Our chief purpose in this world, our chief purpose since the beginning of creation, our chief purpose from Adam and Eve all the way down to you and I, the chief purpose of man is to glorify God. The chief purpose, glorify God. With our lives, with those things we do from day to day, we are to glorify Him. That is our purpose, and for the child of God, it should be our desire, above everything else, that we would bring honor and glory to our God. This is our chief purpose. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10 and verse number 31. First Corinthians 10 and verse number 31. Paul says here, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. In everything. Even those mundane things that we don't really think about each and every day. The things of everyday life. The things that, well, it's just my task. It's just my routine. It's just the things I do every day. No. Every little thing, even the smallest of things that we do in our lives, we are to be doing it consciously for the glory of our God. That should be how we set our routine. That should be how we go through our day. That we are determined as we go through our day that all things that we do, we do for the glory of God. That we do our best in those things for His glory, for His honor. That He might be glorified by our lives. Now, do we do that all the time? Most of the time, we go through the routine. We do the thing that's, that's set before us. We, we, we get up each day. We do what we do normally. I go drink uh, a glass of water every morning. And I, I, I make my cup of coffee. Except this morning, Josh had drank all the coffee up the night before, and I, I didn't have coffee this morning. 
uh, go get my cup of coffee and, and, and get me a cereal bar or something of that nature and sit down and eat that, read passages of Scripture there, and then turn on the news and see what's happening around Kentucky and see what the weather is going to be for the day. And I just go through the routine. We get, we get up, we do the things that we normally do, we go through each and every day, get up at the same time usually, do all the things that we do, get halfway through our day, and then think, hmm, what have I done for the Lord today? <laughs> and and what, he's, what He's teaching us, what Peter's telling us, what, what Paul's telling us here, is that even those things in life that seemingly have no... No eternal consequence. That even those mundane things, even those things we do every day, in those things, with the right heart and the right attitude by the children of God, we bring God glory in those things. And so we need to be conscious of that as the children of God, as we go through our day, to be mindful that as we move through our routine, that we are doing so for the glory of God. Because He has given us this day. He has given us life today. We've drawn in oxygen this morning when we got out of bed. We, we have breath in our lungs. We have everything to glorify Him about. Everything to glorify Him about. And so we need to be mindful. It needs to be a conscious action on our part each and every day, even in the routine things, that we are glorifying our Lord. That it is our desire. That it is our heart to do so. That's our chief purpose. Above everything else, our chief purpose is to glorify the Lord. And so this is what He has made us for. So what does it mean? What does it mean? What is, first of all, the, the glory of God? Go to Acts chapter 7 and verse number 2. Acts chapter 7, verse number 2. Stephen, of course, is um, before the council here. And he tells them here, beginning in verse 2. He said, Men, brethren, and fathers, hearken. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran and said unto him, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and come into the land which I shall show thee. The God of glory. That is, that is his description. He is the God of all glory, the scripture tells us. The God of all glory. His glory, that His glory can have no addition to it. He is the embodiment of all glory. The embodiment of all glory. And God tells us in His Word that He will not part with His glory. Isaiah chapter 48 Verse number 11. Isaiah 48 and verse number 11.
Isaiah here, he is recording the words of the Lord to Israel. And he says here in verse 11, For mine own sake, even for mine own sake, will I do it. For how should my name be polluted? And I will not give my glory unto another. I will not give my glory, he says, unto another. He will not part with his glory. Go to First Chronicles chapter 16. First Chronicles chapter 16. Right after Second Kings there. First Chronicles 16 and verse number 29 of that passage. First Chronicles 16 verse number 29. This is the glory that we are to bring to him. First Chronicles 16:29 Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Worship the Lord in the beauty of... His holiness is beautiful. His holiness is beautiful. And it is worthy of our worship. It is worthy of our glory to pour it out unto Him. And He tells us here that we are to give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. All of ourselves. Paul, we, we studied Sunday. Paul said there in, in uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1 that we are to give our bodies a living sacrifice under our God. He says there at the end of that verse, in verse 1, he says, which is your reasonable service. The very least we can do is to give all of ourselves to our Lord. And in doing so, we bring to Him glory. We bring to Him glory. We glorify Him by our lives. And so we are to do so, worshiping Him in the beauty of holiness. Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse number 20. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20. This is a familiar verse to you, I'm sure. This is where Paul tells us that we are bought by the Lord Jesus. That He owns us. We belong to Him. We've been bought by His blood. Made His people. Made His children. We are made His servants as we were looking at Sunday. That word doulos, which means slave. We are made the slaves of God in the freedom that is given us in Christ Jesus. That, that wondrous oxymoron of what the Lord has done for us there. We are given the freedom of our Lord Jesus and by that we are made the slaves of God Almighty. And I would not want it any other way. Would not want it any other way. Because as we were talking about, us, us being His servants, yielding ourselves unto Him. That word yield means stand alongside of. I want to be standing on the Lord's side. I want to be on His side. I don't want to be anywhere else. Because anywhere else is not on His side. Anywhere else 
is on the world's side. Anywhere else is on the devil's side. I want to be standing on the Lord's side. I want to yield myself to Him. And so he tells us here in verse number 19, verse 20, he says, What? Know ye not that your body, he said, is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God. It belongs to Him. We belong to Him in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's bought us. That great price is the blood of our Lord Jesus that He shed for us on the cross that He willingly gave of Himself for us, took upon Himself our sin, and bought us unto Himself, giving His blood for us, and in return, even giving us His righteousness to make us fit before the throne of God. He has done this for us. Now we are bought by Him. We belong to Him. Therefore, we are to glorify God with every part of us. Because we are owned by Him. He owns us. He owns us. He deserves all the glory we can give to Him. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. They belong to Him. They're His property. They're not our property. And that's where we get it all mixed up all the time. That's where, that's where we get everything all kinked up is because we still view ourselves as self. We still spend way too much time thinking about what I'm going to do and what I'm going to work and what, what my strength is going to take care of and what I'm going to do and what I'm going to think about this and what I'm going to say about it. We spend too much time thinking about I'm or I or me or self and we spend too little time recognizing I don't belong to me anymore. Christ Jesus has bought me. I belong to Him. I don't, I don't have a right to say I'm. That's the reason that we're told to say if the Lord wills. If the Lord wills, I'll do this or that. If the Lord wills, we're to follow Him. We, he is our Master. We're to give ourselves to Him. We're to sacrifice ourselves to Him, we, we are to yield ourselves to Him. You see, He deserves our glory. All that we can pour out on Him. Because we are owned by Him. Philippians chapter number 1. Philippians chapter number 1, verse number 20. Philippians chapter 1, verse number 20. Paul says here, According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also, Christ 
shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now look, pay attention to what Paul says there. He says it is his earnest expectation. In fact, his hope, he says. So he, he expects it. And remember, hope in the Scriptures is not how we use hope today. Hope is, is an evidence. Hope is a surety. Hope is something that is going to take place. That's, what, that's how Scripture describes hope. It will take place. Not happen yet, but it's going to. And we know it. We know it, you see. It's linked up with faith. That it is the evidence of things not seen there. That we, we know, we know it's going to take place. That's that hope. And so he, he tells us here, it is his expectation, his earnest expectation. It is his hope. He says that in nothing... That in nothing, he says, I shall be ashamed. Have you messed that up already? I have. I have. There's many times I've failed the Lord. Many times. Many times I've done those things that I'm ashamed of. That I have to look back on and say, oh. Paul says it's his earnest expectation. It's his hope, he says, that in nothing he shall be ashamed. But, he says, that with all boldness as always. Well, listen, we know enough about Paul, who was Saul of Tarsus. We know enough about him. And there's some things Paul can point to and say, oh, he does, in fact. He points to those things and says, oh, I can't believe I did that. So what, how's, where does this hope come from? Where does this expectation come from? That in nothing he shall be ashamed. Where, where, does that, where does that lie? When Paul himself calls himself the chiefest of sinners. Where does that come from? To have that kind of hope. To have that kind of expectation. That in nothing he shall be ashamed. It's in Christ. In Christ Jesus our Lord. We're, we're made clean in Him. We're washed in Him. That there is therefore now, Paul says in Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. In Christ, all of those things, all of those things that we can look back on, that we can feel shame about, that we can feel bad that those things were in our lives, that we can look back and shake our head and say, boy, I hope nobody here finds out about that. All of those things, in Christ Jesus, those things are washed away. They're gone. He says He cast them from us as far as the east is from the west. 
Paul's not talking about an expectation in his own mind here. He's not talking about an expectation of hope in his own heart. He's talking about an expectation and a hope that he has before the throne of God, you see. Knowing that in Christ, what our Father sees is the holiness and righteousness of Christ Jesus on us. That's what He sees. When He looks at us, He sees His Son. That's what He sees. And so Paul says because He knows his under, he knows where He stands, He knows that position He has in Christ Jesus now, He says He can enter in. He has all boldness, He says, as always. With all boldness as always. See, without Christ, you don't have that boldness. Without Christ, you don't enter into the presence of the Father. It's only in Christ that we have that place. And in Christ, we can come in with all boldness, Paul says. He says it here in Philippians chapter 1. He says it over in Hebrews chapter number 10. He he speaks uh, quite a bit about it there, beginning in verse number 19 down through verse number 25, talking about the boldness that we have to enter into the presence of the Holy that we can come in before the throne of God, that we have that boldness, that that place to go in to the presence of Christ, the presence of God because of Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified, he said, in my body whether it be by life or by death. He deserves our glory. And whatever whatever may come in our path, whatever may come in our day-to-day life, whatever may be tomorrow, whatever may be next week, Whatever may be next year, in every single day, it should be the desire of our hearts as the children of God to bring Him glory. To glorify Him in our lives. Because He's worthy of it. He's worthy of all of our glory. Worthy. And so we're to bring Him. He is to be magnified in our bodies. We are to appreciate our Lord. We are to adore Him. We are to have an affection for Him. And we are to have a subjection to Him. Appreciation, adoration, affection, and subjection. Appreciation, first of all, He is to be set highest in our thoughts, in our esteem. He is to be first. He is to be preeminent in every aspect of our lives. He is to come first. To come first. Psalm chapter 92. David says there, Psalm 92 and verse number 8. 
Psalm 92, verse number 8. He says, But thou, Lord, Psalm 92, verse 8, But thou, Lord, art most high forevermore. Thou art most high forevermore. In chapter 97, he says there in verse number 9, Psalm 97, verse number 9. For Thou, Lord, art high above all the earth. Thou art exalted far above all gods. Ye that love the Lord hate evil. He preserveth the souls of His saints. He delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. Thou, Lord, art high above all the earth. He is to be first. He is to be preeminent. He is to be set first in our heart, in our affections. We are to admire. We are to admire our God. Admire His beauty. Admire His attributes. Be in awe. Be in awe of our God. For He is awesome. He is full of all. And so we should be in awe of Him. He is, he is deserving. We are to admire our God. We are to adore Him as well. Go to uh, Psalm 29. Psalm 29 and verse number 2. We'll read verse 1 there with it as well. David writes this psalm. Psalm 29 and verse number 1. He says, Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory and strength. Do unto His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. In the beauty of holiness. Give unto Him, He says. The Lord, give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. We are to give Him worship. And this, this worship needs to be according to the Scripture. It needs to be according to what the Word of God declared. Remember Nadab and Abihu, they offered unto the Lord strange fire. And the ground opened up and swallowed them. They were burned up there even. That strange fire that was brought before them. The Lord did not accept that strange fire. He had... He had particular demands on the children of Israel of how they would come in before Him, how they would worship Him, and He would not deviate at all from the direction that He gave them. And if there was any deviation in how they worshiped, He punished it swiftly and harshly. Swiftly and harshly. Remember Uzzah, that the, uh, uh, the uh, Ark of the Covenant had to be bored. 
The sons of Kohath had to be the ones that carried it. And they had to carry it on staves. They, they didn't touch the ark. They had to carry it wherever it went. Well, they in haste to get it back to Israel. They put it on an ox cart. And, and uh, Uzzah was sitting on there bringing it back. And on his way back, it, the oxen tripped over a rock. And the cart stumbled. And he reaches back to steady the ark. And he touches the Ark of the Covenant. Direct violation of what God had said not to do. And he is struck dead instantly. And we say, well, Lord, why did you, why were you, he was just trying to keep it from falling. No, it shouldn't have been there in the first place. It shouldn't have been there in the first place. It wasn't supposed to be on no ox guard. It wasn't supposed to be taken into battle so it could be captured in battle and taken down to the Philistines. That's exactly what had taken place. So it, it was not where it was supposed to be to begin with and through all of that, that rigmarole, through all of the problem that got it down there to where it was at and bringing it back to Jerusalem now and, and getting it back to where it was supposed to be, it cost that man his life. Because God will not deviate from His demands on how His people are to worship Him. When we worship Him, we need to be sure. Is it according to the Scripture? Is it according to the Word of God? We sing these songs that we sing. Are you paying attention to the words when we sing those songs as we lift these words up before the Lord? Or are we just reading through? Is it just our routine? Is it just, is it, well, yeah, we, hey, I like that song. It sounds pretty. I use it sometimes to put me to sleep. But are we paying attention to the words when we're singing it here in the house of the Lord? When we're lifting up this praise to His name, are we paying attention to the things that we're singing? I appreciate what Brother Gordon's been doing here as late, and, and he's done it a few times here as he's telling us the history on some of these songs. I appreciate that because I love the history of the songs. I love, I love hearing that, but it also makes me pay attention more to the words when I hear a little bit about the history of the song. It, it makes me listen just a little bit harder. It makes me pay just a little bit better attention. We need to pay attention to the things we're delivering up to the Lord because let me tell you, not everything in these books is scriptural. We need to be mindful of, of the songs that we sing that we're lifting up before because we definitely want to be scriptural, don't we? So we need to pay attention as we lift up these words, as we lift up these praise to Him. We need to, we need to pay attention as we're lifting that it's not just mindless exercise, but that, it's, that we're thinking about the words that we are singing out, that that which comes from our mouths is truly from our hearts unto our Lord. He deserves your praise. He deserves your glory. That's what you're supposed to do. Glorify Him. And so we need, to be, we need to be sure that our worship is indeed biblical worship. That it is according to what God has given for us to do. We're to give Him affection as well. He is glorified. He is glorified when He is loved. Deuteronomy 6, verse number 5. This will sound familiar to you. 
because this is quoted by the Lord in Matthew chapter number 22 and verse number 37. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 5. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. He deserves our love. We are to have great love for our God. But not just because of what He's done for us. I mean, we, we can love Him constantly because of the blessings that He has given us. And He deserves our worship. He deserves our praise. He deserves our love for the blessings that He's constantly pouring out on us. Yes, He deserves it. We need to, as the, as the song tells us, to count our blessings. Name them one by one. We need to be mindful of what our Lord's blessed us with each and every day. And we need to count those that we might... It'll cause you to love Him. It'll cause you to worship Him all the more when you see the blessings that He's constantly pouring out on you. But our, our love for Him cannot be just in the blessings that we have. Our chief love for Him needs to be simply for who He is. Because He is God. He deserves your love. Because He is the sovereign Creator, He deserves your love. Because He is the Holy God, He deserves your love. You should love Him, you see, simply for who He is. Simply for who He is. Yeah, I, I understand. We love, we love Him for His blessings. We love Him for what He's done. But our loving Him should start with who He is. And the more, listen, the more you get to know Him and what the Scripture describes of Him, the more you love Him. The more you know Him, the more you love Him. He deserves your love. He deserves your affection. This is a love of delight that we are to have in our God. We are to love Him. And, and as He says here in Deuteronomy, we are to love Him with every part of us. That's what the Lord says there in Matthew 22 when He's asked what's the great commandment of the law. He quotes Deuteronomy 6 and verse number 5 there when He says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength. He said this is the first and great commandment. The second, He said, is likened to it, love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets, He said. Our Lord deserves our love. And then he spins that around there, as we studied a few weeks ago, and says, the second is likened to it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. And then John tells us over in the book of 1 John, oh yeah, by the way, if you don't do the second one, you can't do the first one. If you don't do the second one, you can't do the first If you can't love your brother, he says, then you're not able to love God. 
And so if you've got aught against your brother, if you've got aught against the child of God, and you've got you've got a, 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 a hatred for them, you've got a you've got a a, a, a grudge against them, you've got whatever against them, you need to make that right. Because if you if you're not able to love your brother as yourself, he says, then you cannot love God. In fact, John goes even harder. He, John's mean about it. He says we, we're liars, in fact, he says, if we say we love God and hate our brother. He gets pretty harsh. Love God. Love God. He deserves your love. And that love for Him, that love for Him requires something of us. It requires that obedience. We're going to love Him. We're going to obey Him. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. He deserves, He deserves your love. He deserves your love. That's not a, well, you can if you want to, deal. Well, you know what, you, you ought to be really nice, you Christian, you know what would be really nice if you'd, you'd try real hard to love the Lord. <laughs> no, that's not, we're, we're to love Him. We're to lo- that is the requirement put on us. It's going to be seen in us. It's going to be part of the fruit that is produced in us as the children of God. That love for God. That's going to be seen in us, His children. And so we are to love Him. And we are to subject ourselves to Him. There's where we come into that obedience. The the angels there, Isaiah, in in chapter 6 there of Isaiah, he describes that vision of the throne room of God. And he says he sees the one sitting upon the throne. And the seraphim that are gathered around the throne, each having six wings, two to cover their eyes, two to cover their feet, and two to fly with, and they are gathered around the throne of God. And as they are gathered around His throne, Isaiah said the room was filled with smoke. And the angels, as this room is filled with smoke, and these angels, these seraphim are gathered around the throne, they are crying out there, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And he says, as they are crying out the holiness of God, he says the doorpost of the throne room of God was shaken each time they cried out the holiness of God. The angels, the angels in heaven, they glorify God. And they glorify Him for who He is. Is They see it. They're right there in the presence of His holiness. And they are declaring even one to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. If the angels declare it, that do not know anything about His grace, that truly don't know about His love, 
if the angels, if the angels glorify him, how much more should we who have experienced his grace, who have experienced his love, that know, that know who he is, how much more should we glorify our Lord? How much more should his name be upon our lips every single day. If we're going to glorify Him, if we're going to glorify Him, we must be obedient to Him. If you love me, the Lord says, if you love me, keep my commandments. If we're going to declare His love, if we're if we're going to if we're going to speak of, of the wonders of who He is, if if we're if we're going to love Him like He's called us to love Him, we must be obedient to Him. It's not only to be our desire; it is to be our walk that we would be obedient servants. Of our God. We'll hold off right there. and We'll pick up with the rest of this, Lord willing, on Sunday afternoon. Let's all stand together this evening.